Hello and welcome. And we're starting today with our studies in the last days as we find them in the Bible. Jesus promised to return. In John chapter 14, he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. In Matthew 24, he said, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And in Acts chapter 1, at the ascension, two men dressed in white said to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So we're promised in the Bible that Jesus will return, but we do not know when it will be. In Mark 13, Jesus said, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. And throughout church history, people have been incautious about pr predicting the date of Jesus' return. The Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, said that Jesus would return in the year 1914, when the First World War broke out. Of course, he didn't. But they say, oh, he did. He returned invisibly, and he's been reigning in heaven ever since. This idea is false and fatuous and silly. What a silly way to interpret the word of God. In the Jehovah's Witness Watchtower, it said, the year 1925 is here. Many confidently expect that all members of the body of Christ will be changed into heavenly glory during this year. Did it happen in 1925? No, of course it didn't. I have here an advert which I took out of the Derby Trader in 1985. Derby City Church people may know that the Hope Centre is the building which used to be the headquarters of the Derby Trader. And in this advert, it said this. On June the 12th, 1988, Jesus will return to continue his resurrection ministry among those in Christ Jesus. Did Jesus return on June the 12th, 1988? Not that I noticed, nor anybody else. It is very foolish to predict the coming of our Lord. Hal Lindsay, who wrote the book Late Great Planet Earth, predicted that 1980 could well be the climax of history, but it wasn't. There are only three things we can be adamant about with regard to our Lord's return. He's going to come back, we don't know when it will be, and we must be ready for it. In the Apostles' Creed it says, He will come again to judge the living and the dead. The Nicene Creed says, He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Now on the 24th of February 2022, the world order changed when President Putin ordered his troops into the Ukraine. And he also told his nuclear arsenal to be on high alert because it might be needed soon. And it made Christians wonder whether the return of Christ could be very, very close. It's not the first time that the church has felt this way. Christians have always thought that they were in the last moments. Martin Luther, 
in the year 1500 said, God forbid that this world should last 50 years longer. Let him cut matters short with his last judgment. There was a Christian newspaper called The Life of Faith, and it published this. It said, every sign of our times proclaims, trumpet-tongued, that the Advent summer is now nigh. That was in January 1886. In 1900, H.G. Wells said, the world, is not, the world is at the end of its rope. The end of everything we call life is close at hand. I remember well the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. I can remember going to school on that day and how quiet it was, a boys' school, and we were walking around the corridors, barely speaking to one another. There was a subdued atmosphere in the classes because we all knew about the four-minute warning. And we could hear, we might hear, air raid sirens at any moment. And we, we knew that within four minutes, London would start receiving atomic bombs. We thought the end of the world was nigh. And today, again, there is high expectation of our Lord's return. Signs are being fulfilled. The Lord is at hand. People want to know about this subject. We're coming back to the Bible. We're not going to use the Bible like Old Moore's Almanac. We're not going to use the Bible as if it were God's superior version of Nostradamus. We're going to try to come to the Bible with an open mind and try to come to it with no preconceived ideas about what is going to happen. Let's try and start with a clean piece of paper and see what we can put together about the last days. Firstly, we need to understand the idea of there being two ages. In the time of Jesus, and indeed today, as far as I know, the rabbis used to teach that under God, time would fall into two parts, two ages, this age and the age to come. This age, an age of sin, disobedience, disease, natural disasters, wars, famines, plagues, defeat for Israel. But the age to come would change everything. Israel will be dominant. The Gentiles will be removed from the Holy Land. There will be excellent harvests, harmony in nature. Wolves and lambs would feed together. Lions will eat straw. And there will be a new king like David reigning in Jerusalem. And what would turn this age into the age to come? What would trigger the coming of this new age? The Messiah would come. The Messiah would come and all these changes would take place in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Jesus used this kind of language. In Matthew chapter 12, he said, Anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. Luke chapter 18, he said, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So he recognised this teaching about an, this age and an age to come, but he said he was, he is the Messiah. He is the king who brought with him the kingdom of God. So to Jesus, the kingdom of God, the age which is to come, has already started. He said in Matthew chapter 12, If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's here now. Past tense. It came with me. 
Luke chapter 17. Having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is among you. I'm here. The kingdom of God is here in me. Present tense. Now in the Old Testament, God had promised to come to Israel and rule. In Isaiah chapter 40, in the desert, prepare the way for Yahweh. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. It hadn't happened. God hadn't come to Jerusalem. Ezekiel chapter 43, the glory of the Lord entered the temple. The glory of the Lord filled the temple, the temple which would be built after the exiles had returned. Yes, they rebuilt a temple, but the glory of the Lord never came into it. The Lord never appeared there. Malachi chapter 3, suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple. Sorry, but it hadn't. The Lord had not come to his temple. But Jesus is saying, in this present age, God has come in me. In this present age, the Messiah has come in me. In this present age, the King has come. The kingdom is here. Jesus used the past tense of the kingdom. He used the present tense of the kingdom. He also taught about the kingdom of God in the future tense. He taught us to pray, didn't he? Thy kingdom come. And at the Last Supper, he said, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And in the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus said, Come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So Jesus taught the kingdom is present in this old, present, current age, but it's also future. The kingdom is going to come in all its glory at some point which is still to come. So we need to adjust our diagram somewhat. We still have this age, and the Messiah came to us in this age, and he commenced the age which is to come. The age which is to come started with Jesus being born. He will bring this present age to a close when he returns. And meanwhile, you've got the dots, the dot-to-dot -dot puzzle, which we're going to try to complete. So we live in a time of overlap. The two ages overlap with one another. This age did not end when the Messiah came, but the new age did start when the Messiah came. And this age will end when the Messiah returns. But the age that is to come will never end. So we are living in two ages between the two comings of the Messiah. So the question arises, are we living during the last days? What does the Bible say? Is the Bible unequivocal about this? Let me read to you from Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Peter preaching, he said, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your men will, young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days 
and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter explicitly says that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the fulfilment of Joel's prophecy about the last days coming. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it says, In these last days God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Present tense, in these last days. 1 Peter chapter 1, Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. The last days are present. They began with Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says the last days began on the day of Pentecost. And therefore, yes, we can say we are in the last days. They were in the last days when the book of Revelation was written in the first century. They were in the last days in 1066, when the Norman invasion took place, the Battle of Hastings. The last days were here in the 19th century when Queen Victoria was on the throne. The last days were in the last century with the First World War and the Second World War. And now in our century with the Russian invasion of Ukraine and America and China facing off together, we are still in the last days. Now a slight change of tack. In May, the governor of the Bank of England misused a word. He said that during this year, the rise in food prices would be apocalyptic. And in July, with the heat wave, the media was saying those fires, the fires in London and uh, in France and in Spain and in California, these fires <coughs> were apocalyptic because that word has come to mean doom, danger, death, disaster, dreadful. That's what apocalyptic means today, but it's not what it meant in Bible days. An apocalyptic, an apocalypse in the Bible meant an unveiling. It meant the curtains would be opened so, so that something which was hidden behind the curtains has now been revealed. And the first word in the book of Revelation is the word apocalypse. Apocalypse of Jesus Christ, an unveiling, a revealing of Jesus Christ. So Revelation is not a book to confuse things, it's not a book to mystify things, it's a book to reveal things, it's a book to make things clearer. And at this point I want to tell you the parable of the theatre stage, which I will come back to time and again. I want you to imagine you've gone to the theatre, you're in the front row, and the stage, as always, is just a little bit higher than your sight line. So you can see the front of the stage very clearly. But the back of the stage, you know what's there, but you can't see it quite so clearly. As you arrive for the play, the curtains are closed. But a member of the back crew presses a button and the curtains are, are, are removed. They're taken to the sides and there is an apocalypse. What is on the stage is revealed. And you can see at the front of the stage a sofa. And on this sofa are a married couple and they are arguing. The temperature is rising. Their voices are getting raised. Fists are being made. You can tell that this is a domestic. But at the back of the stage something else is going on. In the back of the stage you can see a door and a window 
being opened and two people creeping into the room. One is armed with a knife and one is armed with a, ga- with a gun. And so you're all agog to know what the story is going to, how it's going to unfold. How will the argument at the front relate to the threat from the back of the stage? One scene, but two things are going on simultaneously in the foreground and in the background. At the front of the stage and at the back of the stage. For example, in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches. In those churches, one person had already been killed because of Jesus. He was a martyr. His name was Antipas. That was the foreground. That was the front of the stage. People knew that one person at least had already been killed for Jesus. When you get to chapter 17, it says, I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those martyred for Jesus. In the background, a great persecution is going to come when hundreds or even thousands are martyred for the sake of Jesus. Let me read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Is he writing about his days or is he writing about our days? Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Is that front of stage or is that back of stage? Is it foreground or is it background? It's foreground, it's in his day because he said to Timothy, have nothing to do with them. But it's also background. He's telling us what is going to happen as history develops. Something similar happens in 2 Peter chapter 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Is that foreground or is it background? In the foreground, Peter says to them, Don't worry about these scoffers who despise the idea of Jesus returning. He is going to return, so have strong faith in that. But in the background, one day, the heavens will disappear and the elements will be destroyed and a new heaven and a new earth will be created. It's a bit of the present and it's a bit of the future. So we began by saying 
that Jesus promised to return. He didn't put a date on it. He told us not to. And then we asked ourselves the question, are we in the last days? And the answer is yes, we are, because the last days began at Pentecost. And the last days will end when Jesus returns. We saw that there are two ages. This age in which we live now, which started in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and goes on until today and until Jesus returns. And also there is the age to come, which began when the Messiah arrived in Bethlehem and will go on throughout eternity. We live in both ages. So we look at the stage of world history and our perspective is difficult. Sometimes we're not sure if something is in the foreground or in the background, whether it's present or whether it's in the future. But if we are living in what the Bible calls the last days, and we are, are we living in the final days of the last days? And of that I can give you a very clear answer. And the answer is, we don't know. But what we do know is, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the yonder shore, I'll be there. Therefore, let us labour for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, we'll be there. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.